Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. It's Carrie Newhoff here, and I'm so glad you're joining us. If you're tuning in for the first time, you're watching online, or maybe you're uh, listening via podcast, we're really glad to have you. And um, every week, we try to figure out what is going on in this world that never gets uh, more predictable. It only gets more unpredictable. And this week, I'm joined by Barna Savannah Kimberlin. Welcome, Savannah. Hi, thank you for having me, Carrie. Happy to be here. Hey, yeah. So we are going to be talking to Miles McPherson a little bit. He is a former NFL player, pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, and uh, also author of The Third Option. We broke this interview into two sections, one where we just talked about the whole reality we're all in of as church leaders trying to adapt to this hybrid model and what does that look like. So we're going to talk to Miles about that. But Barna's been doing a lot of research into the hybrid church. There's a big project that you've done with Alpha and Stadia on sort of the state of the hybrid church. And I'd love you to take us through some of the things that you are discovering through this detailed research, Savannah. Yes. Things are pivoting left and right. I think we're all <laughs> using that word a lot, right? We, we like the word yeah. pivot these days. And when, when was this study done just so that we can sort of timestamp it? Yeah, great question. So the data was collected in September, and we okay. recently released the first journal, Six Questions About the Future of the Hybrid Church, in October. Gotcha. Okay, so it's fairly recent. We got months of pandemic under our belt, trying to figure out what's ahead. And uh, tell us what you found. Yep, that's great context to understand the moment in time that this data captures, because you're right, Carrie, it captures people after they have been quarantining and um, lacking normal rhythms for months. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do in this first publication, Six Questions About the Future of the Hybrid Church, which was um, the publication we released in partnership with Stadia, is we wanted to really stretch our readers and we wanted to stretch church leaders to think about digital strategy beyond just streaming Sunday services. Right. Um, because if we, if we as leaders have not gone there yet, we're behind. So we need to be thinking about discipleship and outreach. And what does it look like to um, do traditions that are really important for many, many denominations you know, in, in a digital context? What does that look like? Um, and then we really wanted to spend a lot of time, especially talking about evangelism, replicating that digitally and what it, what does that look like? What does that even mean? And so that's the the next publication that we released with Alpha. Um, but as we're stretching our readers to think about um, digital ministry, we also wanted to take an honest look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has really changed things. So um, a, a couple of things to point out, a couple key data points. If I had to say three big hits, to share with the audience today. I would say the first is certainly that the pandemic has shifted things and has really paved a way for hybrid to be a model for church in the future that people want and that it fits. it's going to fit their lifestyle well, even beyond the pandemic. So um, one data point that we asked was, 
we asked specifically um, and very directly, like what church service style is going to fit your lifestyle the best in the future? And a lot of people, especially in the three younger generations, Gen Z, Millennials, and Gen X, they were very likely to say um, a hybrid model is going to fit my lifestyle best in the future. And by hybrid, you mean like a combination of digital and physical? So not primarily physical and not primarily digital. It's like some weeks I'm going to be there, some weeks I'm going to access online. Is that what you mean by hybrid or or how do you define that? Yep, that's what I mean. I Okay. People are expressing that they want options for one reason or another and there are lots of reasons why. I mean, we know that they that they would want a hybrid model available to them, but I think what it shows us is that people really want a digital alternative. They want that to be available to them. And we even asked another question of, um, have your experiences during the pandemic opened your mind to consider digital ministry or digital church in the future? Have you changed your mind or, or um, you know, maybe rethought what you thought about digital church during the pandemic? And a lot of people agreed with that statement. So we know that the pandemic really has shifted a lot of perspective and has made people more open to hybrid ministry in the future. Do you know what the gap was between, I guess it would be boomers and then younger generations as to physical church versus a hybrid model? What what, what was the gap on that? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So it was interesting because we really saw that dividing line between the boomer generation and the younger generation. So for the boomers, um, and we're talking about churched adults here. So these are churchgoers. Mm-hmm. We see that 71% of boomers say they prefer primarily physical gatherings. That's no surprise there. Only one in four say they want a hybrid model available to them. Um, so, So the boomer generation certainly is still going to prioritize physical gatherings. But then when we get to the younger generations, the number increases for their preference for hybrid from one in four to Uh, For Gen X, it's 39% say they want hybrid. For millennials, it's 40% that say they want hybrid. And for Gen Z, it's 38%. So hanging right around four in 10 churchgoers in those younger generations say they prefer hybrid. And that's right about equal to the percentage that's saying that they want primarily physical gatherings. So it's interesting for those generations, the preferences really are split. Yeah, it's a pretty significant. I remember seeing that stat when it first came out, and it's a very big gap. Okay, so you said you had three, so uh, there's a big gap between what boomers want and everybody else wants, and physical church versus hybrid. Uh, people are open to new forms, and that's what change brings, right? An openness. And what's the third insight, Savannah? So the third insight. This is my personal favorite out of the entire publication. So we we asked respondents to respond to this statement. Um, I'm not interested in church engagement because I've been rethinking or drifting from my faith practice. So we wanted to understand if people are struggling right now. We've got a lot of, a lot of data in this journal on, on struggle, but we also wanted to understand just what shifts they're experiencing in their own personal practices and in their own faith. And we see that one in five Gen Z churchgoers and one in five millennial churchgoers. So for those younger generations, they agree that they're rethinking or drifting from their faith practice during this pandemic. And I, I love this statistic mostly just because it really affirms the urgency of this moment 
like pastorally, our, our jobs are not done. They are not paused or, or halted because these younger generations, especially, are really wrestling through so much. They're rethinking so much, and we need to be there to process those thoughts with them. I love how you see that as opportunity. So it's not, you know, it's funny, you think crisis will drive people to their knees and back to their faith, but uh, there's strong evidence that for 20%, uh, that is not the case. And those are churched adults. This is not just like, yeah, a year ago, I was on track with God, and now uh, I'm disappearing. Anything else from the data before we jump into the conversation with Miles? Anything else you want to share or final insight? Yeah, I think one final insight, one one piece of information is um, we got to explore in this research the opportunity to reach the unchurched digitally as well, since that's top of mind for so many pastors. And there really is an amazing opportunity because the item that we saw the most openness to for unchurched and for non-Christians, the thing that they're most open to is watching a digital service alone. And we need to remember that... Um, that a lot of these people are curious. One in three say that they have unanswered questions about faith and Christianity. One in three non-Christians expresses that. And so we have an opportunity to reach out to these unchurched and they are interested perhaps in watching our digital services too. So digital strategy is is successful in reaching those unchurched. So um, I think that's a that's a great story to tell. Well, Savannah, thanks for the great work you do in research with the Barna Group. And uh, if you want to learn more, you can get everything at barna.com forward slash digital church. That's barna.com forward slash digital church. And um, you can access lots of free insights and also get some premium insights there as well. So recently sat down with uh, the pastor of The Rock Church in San Diego, Miles McPherson, former NFL player, also uh, author of The Third Option. So this is part one of my conversation with Miles McPherson. Miles, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. My pleasure. We've been looking forward to it since we met back in, I think, Oklahoma somewhere. Yeah, we did. We did. We hung out for a little bit and been at a few events and everything. So, you know, we've been through a year of crazy, we can say at this point, stuff that nothing prepared you for. Um, I'd love to know, what are the biggest surprises that have hit you since the global crisis began? Like looking back on it now with a little bit of hindsight, you would go, wow, yeah, I didn't expect to be facing this. I think a positive surprise is how much God showed that he had something in his bag for us to execute during this time. Um, you know, if, if someone would have told me, you're not going to be in your church for six, let me see, what is it, six months? I would have said, that's the end of the world. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, know? right? Like who, who plans on that? You know, we, we won't survive. I'll, I'll go crazy. And, you know, it's been the opposite. Not only, you know, have, have things gone well. Uh, I, I, listen, I would love to be with people. And I'm sure it's better for them that we're all together. Mm-hmm. I'm not going crazy in a sense. And, and he's opened up other doors of opportunity that I'm sure I probably wouldn't have walked through. And wouldn't have been able to focus on, even though I feel twice as busy now as I was before. But I think in the positive, he's affirmed that I'm still on the throne. I still have a lot of stuff to do. And even though the devil's trying to divide and destroy, I have a plan to give you life and life abundantly. Hmm. Where was your online presence prior to COVID? Were you online? Were you sort of online? Where, where, what was, what was your um, approach prior to COVID? Yeah, we had a, we had seven campuses. That being one of them, we had five mm. 
physical buildings and then a, and then a hybrid campus where it was like 20 portables, little tiny portables, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 to 200 people, you know, in a gym or under a bridge. That was a campus. And then we had an online campus. So we were doing church every week online anyway. So we just switched everybody there. And a lot of times people, if they didn't come to church, they watched that anyway. Right. So we were, we were pretty much had in place. We just beefed up the production value and, and turned our sanctuary into a studio and, and just kind of improved the quality of it. How did that impact like your preaching music? Like everybody experimented for a little while at first, I think it was almost like a live stream event with nobody in the room. And then we're all like, Oh, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? So where, what was that um, evolution? If you can call it that for you, what was that like? Yeah, you know, we in the very beginning, we kind of toyed around with, we had a few people on stage and there were different um, limitations, how many people you can get in the room and how, you know, how you'd be far away. And we wanted to make it small, like a living room. And then we just said, look, forget this. We're just going to go back and be on the stage and preach to an empty room and do worship to an empty room. So that's what we do. Uh, so we can use the whole stage and it's not so much a living room feel. It's more of a church feel. So we started with the living room feel, went away from that. It seemed like it could be simpler, uh, but we just went back to, you know, being able to utilize our whole stage, all the graphics and the screens. And so that's, that's where we're at now. And, you know, I'll preach multiple sermons, three or four in a day. So I'll do three to four uh, a whole month in a day in three hours. Ah, do you pre-record that midweek? Do you do that on a Sunday morning? When, when do you do your pre-recording? Do a mid, we'll do a midweek, do a midweek on a Tuesday. And I'll do three or four, and then I'll usually have one of my pa- pastors do the do one a month. So then that gives mm-hmm. me about a month to now get ready for the next month. How has that adjustment been for you? A lot of pastors are struggling with the lack of feedback, like nobody in the audience. Uh, have you enjoyed it? I would say I'm getting to the point where I'm like, thank goodness the audience isn't there. But I, maybe I'm I'm an outlier. Yeah, I, I, I like feedback. Uh, you know, humor is one of my tools, so that's kind of out the window. And I can make myself laugh, but I think I just kind of, I envision the people in the camera. You know, I look at that camera, I'm looking at people, and I'm thinking of the people that I'm speaking to, um, what they're struggling with, so I focus on that. So I had to shift. It wasn't that big of a, a shift for me. Uh, but I, the few times I've spoken in front of people, I have noticed the difference. You know, now I get to see faces. I get to see response. I get to feed on the response. And so I do notice that there is a difference. But I, but I feel pretty comfortable with nobody in the room, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and what was that like? Was it a bit of a freak out to, you know, after months and months to get in front of a, a crowd and go, oh, right. These are like to actually see them there. Was that positive or negative? Oh, it was positive. I, you know, I'm yeah. a people, people guy, right? People person. I love people. And I, I remember the first time I was, we had, we had this quarterly prayer event that we do on the street throughout the, throughout the county. And we'll have, you know, 20 locations where churches will come and line up on the street and pray. We call it We Pray San Diego. And um, after one of those events, we had just a small crowd on the, on the street corner. And I just started speaking. And I just kept going and going and going. And I was like, I've been around people. You know, I felt like I was in the desert for like six months. And I finally got humans. Uh, but, you know, I noticed then how much, how much they were pulling out of me and how much I was reading from them and how much uh, what I was discerning from them was causing me to say stuff. 
where when you yeah. do nobody, you just have what you're going to say and you say it. You know, it's and, and you don't realize the difference until you are forced to do it. So you're a little extemporaneous then, like you'll you'll read the crowd and go, I'm going to camp out here for a little bit. And then you're like, OK, this isn't connecting. I'm going to move on. Like, so I'm a, I'm a tangent guy. I go tangent and come back. But yeah, absolutely. Do you use a manuscript or do you just kind of have some notes? You know what you're going to say and you just go there. I have notes. God bless all the dudes that and ladies that write everything out. That is like put handcuffs on my feet and every toe and every finger. <laughs> Uh, the less information I have written, the better. If, I, if someone said, look, just here are three points. Here's the direction. I, that's the best for me. But yeah, I have, I have an outline of notes and I can just put a verse, a point and a story and I'm good to go. You're good to go. And you can fill 30, 40, 60 minutes if you want. No problem, right? Yeah, I, I, I have a, a message on my book, The Third Option we talk about. And it's usually, you know, I can, I've done it in 25 minutes and I went to a place and they said, you have 90 minutes. I was like, all right. So I went 90 minutes. I got 90 minutes. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Um, what have been the adjustments for your staff? So you carry a large staff. That's been another challenge for a lot of leaders who are like, we were totally programmed for in-person. Everybody's job description focused on in-person. What is the impact? Uh, and, and it's got an extrovert, introvert thing too, right? Like extroverts love people. Um, what have you noticed with your team, Miles? You know, we have, you know, 150 staff. Uh, if you include the school, you know, it's 150 or 180 or something like that. I don't even know. And we do a lot of stuff together. And so, you know, we, we party together. We have dance parties and staff meetings every month. And now it's every other week, I think it is. Um, and so we miss each other, you know, and we had a staff meeting outside after months. And uh, it was like, wow, we hadn't seen each other. I think we, we miss our, our, our relationships and we miss being in the room together and loving on each other. That's for me. I, I can't speak for everybody else. That, that's me. The other thing is it's hard to manage. I mean, you don't know, you don't know who's doing what. You, I mean, you almost have to micromanage. And I, I don't know that anybody's really doing this, but it's hard to know um, how people are using their time because usually we're right in front of each other and we're engaging, we're in meetings with each other. But when you get on Zoom, you know, before you walk down the hall, now we don't know if they go back to bed, right? Right. And, and so I think, I think it's just harder for people to keep track of uh, their people. Now, I'm just, no one's told me this. I'm just guessing on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Any other adaptations for you and your team in um, the crisis so far? Things that you're like, wow, that, that was a big change or a big shift for us. Well, obviously, obviously Zoom, uh, I think everybody's Zoomed out. Um, I think what we, what we're, one of the things we're moving to in the future is to, to develop a digital platform to put all our ministries online. Mm. And, and so instead of thinking that we're ever going to go back to what we were doing before, which we don't, that every ministry looks is planning to put their ministry on an online platform so we can have ministry 24 seven on demand. That is changing people's mindset because everybody's not a video person and they don't structure stuff that way. Um, but if we're going to leverage the talent we have, because we're realizing so much has to be online now, I mean, the meeting we're having is online. And so let's, let's position ourselves so we can be pandemic proof and put it online um, even if you use your phone, I mean, we're not going to use phones, but I, I, there's a church in Brazil 
they did this very thing and, and I saw a video of their church and they had all, everybody was doing iPhones, right? And they were doing their ministry online because if we really think back, uh, step back and think about what is, what, what is one thing we learned is the, the, the power of being online and that it really does work. People do get ministered to. Um, uh, there are a lot of people who are not going to come back. They like sitting in their pajamas on Sunday morning and turn it off and being home. And so we have to be ready to deliver every product that we have to them in a way that they're going to probably want to receive it. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably been a big difference for us now that, we're, now that we're planning for the future. That dovetails really nicely into what I wanted to ask as the next question, which is, you know, let's assume, you know, there's a vaccine and people are gathering again. How, thinking about the future, nobody knows when that's going to be. But thinking forward, how will The Rock be different permanently? You've already hinted at the fact that, yeah, in the future, we're going to be online. But like, paint, paint a little picture of what you think will be some permanent shifts for you and your church moving forward. One of the things I think is going to be different is I don't envision being what it was. And I think a lot of people are going to be scared. I don't think everyone's going to rush to get a vaccine. I think they're going to see it as the market of beast, you know, especially if if some ID things come with it, comes with it. So I think that people, there's going to be an online presence and dependence moving forward. And so I think it's going to be less services at first anyway. And we're just going to have to respond to how people respond because of, you know, we could say, hey, we're going to have four services again. And if people, if people don't come, then we're in there by ourselves. So I think we have to respond and see what people are going, how people are going to respond. I, I think a lot of people are spooked. I, I see people walking on the street with a mask by themselves, driving in the car with a mask by themselves. And I'm thinking, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that too. And I'm like, what, what is that? Yeah, people are so spooked and scared that we just have to realize and understand that reality when it comes to meeting in a space. And so I think we're going to have to wait to see. Um, In addition to us beefing up our online presence and making that a permanent thing, we have to wait and see how people will respond because, you know, there's nothing like being in person, but I think, I think that this thing has spooked a lot of people. Yeah. You you know, just reading your body language and tone of voice, does that scare you? It seems like you're you're cool with that. It's like, hey, here's a new reality. Like, what what is your emotional response to that? You know, one of one of the things you asked me in the very beginning is um, what has changed, and and one of the things that I I'm 60 years old. Yeah. You know, I don't know when I'm going to retire, but I'm definitely looking at succession, right? And I was okay if I'm looking at succession. Um, what am I going to put my energy in right now? Am I looking to just try to get it back to what it was? Or is, has God's, does God have something different for me in this succession? In other words, you're not going to take it back to where it was. You're going to do this. And so my heart is, is um, there looking at, okay, God, maybe, my, maybe that season for me is over in the sense of having that many services, et cetera. And, and maybe not, but I'm, mm. I'm good. If that's it, fine. What, what, what he has me doing now is very exciting um, with my book and the e-course and the diversity training, uh, br- bringing the, the concept of love into the diversity training. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm excited about um, and developing the next generation of leaders. So uh, that's why I have a lot of peace 
you know, God just said, I got it. This, this is not a surprise to me. And I, and I would encourage other pastors. James chapter four talks about why do wars happen within us is because we don't get what we want. Hmm. You know, we have a desire and we don't, we don't get it. We don't have, get it because we don't ask and we ask and we don't get it because we ask amiss. But if we, if we could just say to God, God, I surrender to you, whatever you want for me, however you're going to direct the church, however you're going to change the church, I am good with it. If we could tell God that, um, a lot of our stress will go down and, and, and then we can accept his will and we'll be able to see it. But I, I think a lot of people are wanting to go back so much to what they had and it might not even be on God's radar. And so I want to know what, what's on God's radar. And he's been saying, just relax, just do this, be faithful with this, and I'm good. Yeah, that's really intriguing to me. And I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I'm excited about the future. I think it's going to be different. Uh, I'm meeting a lot of pastors who are, quote, going back or trying to go back or trying to recreate what was lost. Was there any, like, grieving for you in that process or any sadness? Like, wow, this season's come to an end? Or is it just your approach that says, no, here we are, here comes the new. I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I appreciate your attitude, Miles. You know, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a workaholic and, and, and I admit that I have a problem with, I love to work. I love to go, 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 go. I'm a visionary. I always see to the future and I always like want to go after stuff. And when I get sick, it's probably that I am able to rest the best when I'm sick. Hmm. Because when I'm sick, I'm like, I got a good excuse to just sit here and just <laughs> chill. But, yeah. You know, taking a day off and resting and, and not thinking about uh, stuff is hard for me. COVID has been like I've been sick. And, and it's like God said, you got a really good excuse not to have church. You got a really good excuse not to have, uh, you know, uh, you know, people in the room. And, you know, and so now that now that I've allowed this to be shut down, let it go. Hmm. And I, I think in the first couple of weeks, I was anxious. I was wondering how the money was going to do. Um, but as time has gone by, he says, look, um, I'm doing something now. I'm not saying God did Corona, but, you know, yeah, God's yeah. in everything. Right? It's like this is way bigger than you. This is way bigger than church growth theories. And this is way bigger than all that. So I want you to I want you to use what you, I put in your hand. God told Moses, go confront Pharaoh. He said, how am I going to do that? He says, what's in your hand? And so God has given me something in my hand. I'm, I'm going for it. And he has opened up incredible doors. Have you, are you, and maybe it's premature, are you rethinking facilities? I mean, you've got five physical locations, almost six. And like, are you thinking about that differently yet or haven't got there? That, that, that's a hard one because we're getting ready to buy uh, another building. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you're not alone in that. Yeah. However, the building that we're hopefully we're going to get is going to be multi-purpose to be a dream center. We'll, we'll have retail um, products, food, clothes, and retail products that we'll, we'll process for, for needy people. We'll have some, some for-profit organizations in the church. So it'll be multi-purpose. And we also bought a strip club, which we did. Bef you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, that we're going to repurpose to a transitional living for uh, uh, victims of human trafficking. Wow. So we're out there getting more stuff. But and, and again, we're just doing what what's God put in before us. It's really, you know, I, I did a series like I'm sure all of us did on uncertain times, you know, these uncertain times when people were saying that. And, and I was like, they've always been uncertain. We just didn't accept that. You know, mm. we thought we, we thought we had certainty, but we had no certainty. 
And so now I'm like, God, what do you want me to do today? Is this what you have before me? Because I really, really know I don't know. And I'm really going to try to trust you more than ever. Even though we plan, you know, you're going to take care of us. So we're just going to go. And so I've, I think I have more freedom there to uh, step out and trust God. I definitely feel that way, that I have more freedom. In that, and that's one of the benefits that this season has brought to my life. Hmm. Anything else on church? Because we want to talk about the third option and we that that's something that uh, we continue to track and, and discuss on this podcast. But just before we close the loop on church, anything else? I, I think, yes. Um, we, we started this, I shouldn't say movement, and t- to be more intentional about discipleship uh, two years ago. Okay. And when COVID happened, it was really a test to reveal how good or not good it was going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wonder how many pastors are looking at, man, do I, what kind of church do I really have? Like, where are my people and how committed are they? Are, are they, were they consumers only? And what kind of church is the church? Even when we get into the third option, the racism, and I know we're not going to talk about politics, but the division of politics, the division of racism. Whenever I talk to people about, uh, racism and the third option, 99% of the time I get a political answer. And I'm like, people, so I, I wonder how many about how God must was thinking, hmm, I got to wake my people up because I don't think that they realize how far they've drifted from me. Hmm. They go to church, they sing, but I don't know well, God knows, but I don't know if the pastors or the leaders or even the Christians themselves realize how, I don't know if lukewarm is the right word or distant from me or shallow, shallow may be the best word, or off, off point. I want disciples. And so if anything, um, we have said, I'm going gangster on it, like asking everybody in the church, we have a definition for a disciple. And it's a three-part definition that one, you are using your gifts in ministry. That means you got to know what your gifts are and you got to use them in ministry. You are mentoring someone and then you are multiplying. You're actually seeing people multiply that they're using their gifts. So are you doing those things? And if you're not, then we don't have too much else to talk about. It's not that I want to talk to you, but I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so we are really putting the screws down, especially because we don't have people in front of us, but putting the screws down to make sure if, if we're not focusing on that, because, you know, if I, you know, I'm 60, whenever I leave or, or whenever I transition, I want a, a church that's thriving and multiplying, no matter how, however big it is. It's, it's just going in the right direction with discipleship, not events that we are inviting people to come to, but that we're multiplying through discipling. And so that is one thing that I would encourage the pastor to do because that, that's what Jesus told us to do is make disciples. And we have not done that. And I say we, I can talk to the rock and I can talk about a lot of the churches I go to where, where you know, it's about people coming to an event. Yeah. And I think God said, I'm resetting that. Well, I was so glad to have Miles McPherson uh, on Church Pulse Weekly this week. So he's going to be back with part two of that conversation. It was that rich and that good. And we're going to talk a little bit more about race relations. And if you find that the whole racial justice question is polarizing in your church, you'll want to tune back in. You might have thought, well, I've heard so much about it. What new is there? And Miles is going to talk about uh, how to find a third option. So it doesn't have to be you're right and I'm wrong. And I think in, in the climate we're in right now, 
It's a very helpful perspective. So that's next time on Church Pulse Weekly. For those of you who are watching, thanks for tuning in. For those of you who are listening, um, well, uh, really glad you're here. And please share on social, let your friends know. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do that. We continue to uh, love bringing this to you. And we're just trying to work through the issues in real time, just like you are. You can find more by going to barna.com forward slash digital church. That's barna.com forward slash digital church. And uh, so thankful for you. We'll catch you next time on Church Pulse Weekly. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.